A lot of you are familiar with the DNA Project and have been rocking with us for a while, but some of you aren't. A lot of you are faithful listeners of the podcast, but aren't familiar with some of the other work that we do. So I just want to take a quick moment to explain to you a little bit more of what we do. So you're getting married, or you have a friend, a cousin, a sister, somebody you know is getting married. Okay. You've booked your venue, caterers, photographer, all that good stuff. When it comes to live music, most people have no idea where to look. We have you covered. Picture this. During the ceremony, while guests are being seated, or while the bride's walking down the aisle. During the cocktail hour, while guests are just mingling and having a good time. Don't forget about dinner music. That's very important to set the mood while guests eat. And we definitely can't forget the party. Let's get the party started right now with The DNA Project. www.thednaproject.ca for more information. Welcome. This is The DNA Airwaves. Thank you guys for joining us. I am your host, Ricky, and I'm here with Anthony Lewis. Anthony, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, we are joined by musician and bass player supreme, uh, Divinity Rocks. Thank you so much for joining us today, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a real exciting honor. So we're, uh, I'm excited. We're you excited. sound excited, Anthony. That's dope. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, unfortunately, guys, Matt's not joining us today. Yeah. He's tied up with some studio business. Um, I know there's at least one or two Matt fans out there, so heartbroken, but we're going to keep going anyway. Um, so you mentioned the Beyonce band. Um, I guess that's something that we're definitely going to talk about. But before we do that, I know um, your story is a little different than a lot of musicians that um, that we're familiar with, just because, as far as I know, you didn't start playing bass at a really early age, right? So um, can you tell us a little bit about that, how you got started playing bass? So um, I started playing bass in college, my second year at college. I was at UC Berkeley to become a journalist. I will say this, though, because my aunt reminded me of this recently when I was on a visit. My uncle was a saxophone player who ended up starting to play bass. And whenever I would go to his house, he would put a bass in my hand. But I was so interested in the saxophone that I didn't. The, the bass thing didn't register with me at all. Yeah. I didn't like right. it. I didn't understand what this feeling was. <laughs> and so um, he he really can be credited with introducing me to the bass. And maybe he planted enough of a seed to where when I went to college and picked it up and fell in love uh-huh. with it, that, may be, that might be the reason why I ended up falling in love with it. Um, yeah, I was hanging out with some cats and... Uh, I told this guy I wanted to play the guitar, and he suggested the bass, and I picked up the bass and fell in love. Just like that. Yeah, it was really weird. I really, I don't know what it was. I just, I really enjoyed it. So I would come home after school every day and pull out some of my favorite records. At that time, Goody Mob and Outkast were really, really huge or really blowing up in Atlanta. (laughs) And so everybody from Atlanta was so excited that we had some representation that, uh, you know, I'm out in Cali imagine. bumping um, <laughs> Goody Mob and Outkast. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and they had a lot of dope oh, bass lines on their record. So I started uh, learning oh, yeah. those rec- those bass lines. And can, uh, you were also a rapper at one point in time, were you not? Yeah, I mean, I'm still an MC, man, always and forever. Oh, I um, love that. <laughs> so okay. I, when I went to when I went to Berkeley, I, that, that's how I ended up hanging out with a bunch of musicians. I was... Freestyle, freestyling with a bunch of cats and um, and throwing parties at at this at my house and 
Mm. Yeah, it was awesome hosting these parties with a live bass, live upright bassist and a drummer, and everybody in Oakland would come through and freestyle and yeah, yeah. that's how that's how it got started. Dope. Dope. Wow. Wow. When's the last then, time you were in a cipher? A cipher. Uh, wow, that's a good question. It's been a minute. It's been a minute since I've been in a cipher like that. Um, Sorry, <laughs> I'm just laughing right because I was recently just in the car with my niece freestyling, and she couldn't. She kept okay. asking uh. me like, "How how do you do that?" You know, yeah, like yeah. how how are you making up those words and making them rhyme? And I was being ridiculously silly and over the top. Um, and she thinks her aunt is very crazy. But um, I was just trying to get her to, to, to understand that she could do it too. You know, when I started freestyling back, back, back in the day, this guy, his name was yeah. Crush, DJ Crush. He used to say, all you have to do is speak intelligently and rhyme at the end. <laughs> That's a good way Vice to put it. That's there. actually brilliant. Uh, what, uh, other than like Outkast, what region of hip hop did you like when you were growing up? I mean... Um, I was introduced to the New York hip hop scene when I was young. My mom used to have all these little all these tapes. She used to have a box full of tapes and she always yeah. she always had albums and LPs and um yeah. and so I would always go through her music. But I believe one of the first tapes I saw in her collection was a slick rick tape. Okay. So I mean I loved mm. his storytelling and um I used to love uh, Tribe Called Quest and of course, of course. Um, yeah, man. Um, then KRS One really got us into mm. thinking about knowledge of self, and yes, yeah, my yeah. boys were really into EPMD and of course, back uh, in business. Um, yeah, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, uh, Tupac. I had the <laughs> first Tupac record. Um, yeah, I loved MC Light, of course, and Queen Latifah and Yo Yo. Yeah. I was gonna was, ask about the females. <laughs> yeah, man, I loved Yo mm. Yo. I got to meet her. I actually danced behind Yo Yo on this TV show in Atlanta years ago. Oh, wow. it's so funny. Oh. I know. I don't even remember the wow. name of the show. Yeah, those are just some of the MC, some of the rappers I could think of off the top. Red Man used to love That's Red cool. Man because he was hilarious. Oh man! Oh my God, he's amazing, <laughs> and he's from Jersey too, right? Yeah, he's funny. Yeah, that's super cool. But I mean, here's a big difference between uh, all of those MCs and yourself. Maybe except for Tupac. I know he played bass and rapped in the movie. I don't think it was oh, real. That's right. <laughs> well, I can't remember which one that was, but <laughs> this is something as a bassist myself that I find mind blowing. That you're able to do and I know there's some there's not many people that can is play bass and, and rap sing or anything <laughs> even talk in some situations so talk to me about that how does it work? I might need a whole like tutorial on just how <laughs> this works um well I mean when I started playing bass I had already been an MC so I was trying to figure out how do I merge those two superpowers together um and so I um I started teaching myself how to rap and play by writing songs. Mm. The first song I wrote was this song, the D I V I N I D Y. Simple songs, you know, <laughs> yeah, and simple yeah. bass lines. So I would come up with a really simple groove that I could just sit on and sit on the groove. And by that, I mean just play it in a loop over and over and rap yeah. 
on top of it. Um, it's something that I, even now, when I learn new songs, write new songs, I have to, uh, I have to spend some time with it. I always tell my students to slow it down. So if you're playing mm -hmm. a bass line that you're okay. pretty familiar with, if you slow down the syllables of the words and take your time, you'll be able to uh, to merge those two things together. It takes a lot of practice, Absolutely. though, I can't front. I can imagine. <laughs> it's. I mean, the facts, Victor Wooten, yeah, is. Yeah. A, I was touring uh, with him. You got to know Victor. You're a bass player. He's probably one of the best bass players course, in the world. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. all the techniques that he introduced to the bass with his double thumping and triple thumping and thumb hammer plug and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, he yeah, yeah. was the first person I saw really utilize those techniques in rap. And Victor's not a rapper, but like he had this, he was rapping in his songs to, you know, yeah. to yeah. tell yeah. his stories. And so I was like, wow, that's crazy. I wonder if I can do that with my rhymes and his technique mm. and that's kind of how i started developing it after touring with him it's a lot going on yeah yeah <laughs> um so how did how did that tour come to be because you mentioned you started playing you picked up the bass a little later around college time what was kind of the i guess the next set of events that led you to an opportunity like that um, I went to Victor Wooten's first base camp. He does this base nature camp in the hills of Tennessee right. because he believes that music and nature are so connected. And so he uh, brought a bunch of, I think there were about mm -hmm. 50 of us. He does this every year, probably twice a year, probably not right now, but, um, and he brought, uh, he had some, some of his friends who were naturalists and bird talkers and... <laughs> Okay. And we would do these activities <laughs> yeah. where we would build fires uh, from scratch, and then we would take these bass lessons in between. We would shift through these uh, through different classes. We would meet with some with his brother, who was an incredible musician himself, Reggie Wooten. Um, Victor would do a class. Anthony mm. Wellington would do a class, and then we'd go into it like a nature class or a martial artist class or something like that. But the very wow, first day nice. of the base camp, yeah, man, it was really an awesome camp. Um, Sounds amazing, just, yeah. Yeah, all the stuff he's into, he just throws threw it into his camp. Um, and I wanted mm. to learn from the master, so I ended up going to the camp of as a student. And the first night there, we have to introduce ourselves by playing bass. And I had been writing the song, the D-I-V-I-N-I-T-Y, on bass and, and rapping. Yeah. yeah. And I'd been practicing that, and I asked him if, that, if I could do that, uh, if I could rap. And he was like... If, yeah, if you rap, that's what you, you know, do whatever you want to do. So I did that song and uh, and everybody went crazy and uh, it was exciting. Everybody was really excited. And after the camp, Victor asked me if I would tour with him. And I had been playing bass for probably about three or four years by then. Um, but I had been a performer for so much longer and I knew how to captivate mm. an audience. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he needed that on his show. And I just so happened to need to learn more how to be a really good bass player, so it worked out for us to <laughs> for us to work together. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, it was beautiful. Uh, starting right at the top there, though. <laughs> yeah, no, that really did change my life. The Victor Wooten camp. I mean, and 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 touring with Victor. Um, you know, Victor really showed me what the life of an independent musician could really be like how a successful independent mm, musician okay. could live their life. I mean, he was on a small label, 
Um, but it was an independent label. And he toured with a bigger artist, Bela Fleck and the Flecktones. So whenever he wasn't touring with Bela, right. yep. he would go on tour with his own band. And so everything gotcha. was, yeah. was his, it was his organization, you know. He was responsible for yeah. the bus and yes, he had yeah, a booking yeah. agent. And so I was learning that uh, that world, that ecosystem. And, and he was on a really interesting scene, the jam band scene, which was really uh, always been pretty popular in America, this grassroots sort of, um, I want to, I always say it's the hippie scene. And I hope nobody gets offended by that, but it's like, yeah. it's, okay, okay. it's just really, no. really, really, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like it's all peace and love and people come out and they support Absolutely. different yeah. types of music on the thing. same show. And I was like, wow, I want to be a part of this. This, I didn't realize that that mm. part of the industry existed and that people were making a living who and nobody knew his name. Like nobody knew Victor. <laughs> like none of my friends. They right, were like, right. "You going on tour with who?" I'm like, "Y'all don't know this guy. He's probably <laughs> one of crazy. the best, you know, bass players in the world." And yeah. only now are people really starting to learn who he is. But I wanted that type of career, so I was I was really excited and, and happy and content being in that world. And then the Beyonce auditions rolled around. And then, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's like. <laughs> That's two major things, but um, I love how you say it so cool. So from Victor to Beyonce, was there any, like, I mean, <laughs> I guess you've lived it. So it's, um, it's, it's more exciting to me in this moment hearing about it. Of course, you're telling the story for not the first time. So you have to forgive me a little bit here. Um, is, there any, is there a direct correlation from the Victor Wooten camp, touring with him, working with him to the um, Beyonce um, gig, I guess? No, except that it happened. Um, I was actually, t Victor was gearing up for a tour. Um, and I started hearing about Beyonce having auditions for an all-female band. And I wasn't really okay. thinking about it. I wasn't going to go because I knew that I was going to be touring okay. with Victor later in the year and that he was really becoming more focused on his on his gigs which was right. meant meant a lot for me because whenever he would go out with Bela Fleck I would kind of be back home doing my little local gigs trying to scrape up money and try to make a living and waiting for yeah. him to go back out okay. on the road yeah. which is where I would you know I would yeah. actually make money touring with him so um right. so when yeah, I heard yeah. about the Beyonce audition I wasn't that excited about him. I didn't believe it was real. I mean, she's such a huge star, you know? Like, think about it. Like, just us living in our little world, you know, and somebody goes, you have an opportunity right, yeah. to work with Beyonce. The first thing you're like is, yeah, whatever. It's not real. Like, yeah. it seems yeah, so yeah, yeah. far-fetched and just impossible. And, like, it, and it's like you're incapable of even touching somebody of that magnitude, right? right. So I didn't think yeah, about yeah. it. My friends were really, really, really persistent and adamant about me taking, doing the audition. And so they convinced me to audition in Atlanta. And I did. And then they sent me from the Atlanta audition to New York. And, and I got, eventually, I mean, I got the gig. And I, I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. Um, our yeah. first show was at the BET Awards with Beyonce playing Deja Vu. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, man, it wow. was really mind blowing. You know, there were always those times when we would always just kind of look at each other and be like, 
are we really doing this? Is this really our lives? <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And, it, and, it, and it really was. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. nuts. It's insane. Um, what were the auditions like, though? Well, we had to learn a song from her tour. I believe it was Work It Out from the... Um, what was the name of her first album? Dangerously in Love. From the Dangerously in Love tour. There was a version of Work It okay. Out that um, Kern had... Kern and Kim Burst had created this uh, really cool arrangement, and so that's what right. we needed. We had to learn. Kern was her current was her okay. bass player before me. Um, he's an incredible bass player. He's played with everybody, um, and so that's what we did in Atlanta. We came into a room, and there were like three people sitting at a table. It's kind of like you know, like those TV shows, The Voice, and all that type of stuff, except there's no audience. So it kind of feels like that. That was like what it felt like in the real world. Three people sitting at a table, cameras all around, people kind of just around who weren't paying attention. And I was on a stage with lights, and they played the music over the loudspeakers, and I played along. You know, they played a version without the bass in it, and Mm -hmm. I played along to it. And then they were like, okay, now just play something. So I played something. Um, it's funny because this audition ended up being on CNN because CNN followed me during that audition. That's how Victor found out I got the gig, actually. He was in in Mexico and they were playing this CNN clip over and over how they do in the morning, like morning CNN news or something. And people started calling him like, yo, do you see divinity on the on the news? She's. Auditioning for Beyonce's band, he was like, <laughs> <crazy>. "What? <laughs> what is this?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, And then you got uh, it. Yeah. That's and then nuts. I got it. That's the thing. And then I yeah. <laughs> and do you ever laugh even to yourself about the idea that as someone that was a rapper is now working with not only one of the biggest icons in North America, but She's also married to one of the biggest rappers in the world. Do you know what I mean? It's just, Listen, what are the odds? It's so Listen, funny. It took everything <laughs> inside of me not <laughs> to spit a rhyme when I saw Jay and oh Beyonce in the yeah, audition. Yeah. There, I had a whole internal conversation. Damn, Jay-Z I could is imagine. sitting right there. He's sitting right there. Yeah. No, that's fucking Jay-Z. Like... I was yeah. like, man, I should just spit. I should just, I should just grab my bass and just do one of my things. I should do it. And I was like, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that, because they're not looking for a rapper. They're looking for a bass player. Right, a bass player. And right, so right. I'm glad I didn't do it, because that might have been my, you know, right. that might have been, the, you know, the oh well, you know, she was great, but yeah. she's we'll looking for know. something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's yeah. looking for something yeah. else. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, that was. You know, I mean, and Jay is definitely one of my favorite MCs. He really is because his, oh, his imagination yeah. is amazing. His wordplay is amazing. His his rhythms, his cadence, subject matters, everything. He is definitely the MC's MC for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. If someone forced you in a weird world, will never happen. But if someone forced you to either <laughs> rap or play bass, which one would you pick? Hmm. I don't know. It depends. I think now <laughs> I am. Yeah, it depends on the day. But I think yeah. now I am. I have grown into a bass player in a way that I never imagined that I would be. Like yeah. when I was younger, I was mm. one of those fiery, 
MCs who, you know, super braggadocious. You know, of course, I thought I was the dopest MC in the world and everybody else was rad. And I am the only (laughs) one. And I'm always going to be this dope and everybody else sucks. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah, of course. I mean, super braggadocious. But I think that especially as I get older, the bass is just... It's something that I will never master, I feel like. It's something that I'm always, mm. it always feels like it's something to learn, something that's always going to mm. challenge me, something that's always going to grow me. And, yeah, right. and I'm still, honestly, I'm still amazed. And this isn't to be like, uh, like uh, braggadocious or anything, but I'm still amazed at how good, how well I interpret the bass for Mm. in different situations you know like sometimes i listen back at something and say dang is that me that's me playing the bass (laughs) you know like (laughs) there have been several times i've listened back to something and been like yo you was killing like Mm. what were you thinking what was you know like where were you where was your head in that you know yeah i think i've really become yourself some fire emojis that's that's dope. Okay, so you talked about different situations or different scenarios and adapting. I wanted to ask you about a couple and uh, maybe the difference or the difference in approach maybe um, if we think about a TV recording versus a studio uh, session versus a live show. How does your approach differ, preparation, uh, all that good stuff? You know, when we're doing TV shows, I love watching performers on TV shows, too, because I know what that process is like uh, when you're watching the Grammys or watching the American Music Awards or MTV Music Awards or anything like that. I, I know what that process yeah. is. And usually you are only yeah. performing one song and you have one shot on live television yeah, to play that one song yeah. and it has to be played perfectly. You know, Saturday Night Live, right. you know, yeah. all these shows, because I've done all those shows. And I mean, we yeah, yeah. we really rehearse for a week. We play that one song for a number of hours a day yeah. for a week, preparing for this, this show, this moment, you know. And so I guess yeah. what you're really doing mm-hmm. is... You are, especially when you're when you're doing anything over and over again, you are creating a space in your subconscious mind where no matter what happens, no matter what you're going through or what you're feeling or what's happening around you, your body is learning how to do this thing. You know, so you're playing yeah. this one song. Mm. You can't mess it up if you either like you're doing it over and over and over and over again in pra- in rehearsal and you get to this TV yeah. show and I mean it's a different feeling the lights are on the cameras are there you <laughs> yeah, got an yeah, outfit yeah. on you know what I mean like you're like dang yeah, do I yeah, like these yeah. shoes Jeez. are these shoes comfortable am I in heels am I in you know oh, like man. is my skirt too I'm short or like you know right, um, right. but you you're preparing in a different way and you're you're playing for precision when you're playing in the studio, right. you're playing for precision. When you're playing for a live event like that, television, you're playing, it's a precision type of thing. There is no, yeah. Yeah. there are no embellishments. You are playing right. the right. song the way that you've been rehearsing it. Playing live, gotcha. however, you have a little bit more freedom. You yeah. have a little bit right. more freedom to go for a thing that maybe you're feeling emotionally in that moment. Um, 
It's about being in that moment. What are you bringing to that moment? What is that moment bringing to you? How are you feeling? Am I going to throw a little, am I so excited about right now that I'm going to throw an extra pound, you know, in this thing? (laughs) You know, am I going to, me and the drummer going to look at each other and do some cool lick or feel, or did the drummer do something and now I want to respond to it? And so you're having this internal conversation with each other on stage when you're live. And that's always fun. But learning how to be in those different environments is really important uh, when, you're, big, yeah. when you're a young musician coming up. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember a time when you actually decided to take bass seriously and actually pursue it as a career? Because I know you went to camp and Victor offered you, you know, the position to tour with him. But was there a moment where you're like, no, I like bass. I'm sticking with it. Final answer. Does, does anyone, do you have an inch, like a moment like that, Anthony, where you decide, because like, I always wonder what makes people stick with the instrument and is, do they remember the moment they're like, this is the one, this is my instrument. Yeah, I love the way you hold the bass though. <laughs> yeah. the one right here. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, so powerful. Oh man. I don't know if I have a, a defining moment like that myself. Right. I think there was a lot of back and forth between things. Um, especially just the way I kind of got into it. Um, I know I loved it. I loved yeah. playing bass. <laughs> I didn't ever know that I was going to, you know, make it such a, I guess, a dominant part of my life. Right. Uh, things kind of just happened for me. I don't know if that's the way it goes for everyone else. Just opportunities presented themselves in whatever uh, size, you know, they yeah, were yeah. and just kind of led to the next one. And that's kind of where I am with it. I also felt like my love for bass was almost equally matched with my love for um, some things on the business side. Uh, so okay. I still feel like it's a uh, 50-50. More so bass has been growing lately. Yeah. It could be in part because of the pandemic too, but I've true, just, true. Uh, it's just really like the creative stuff inside has really been wanting to come out. So mm. um, yeah, that's, that's my... Did it answer. kind of fall in your lap as well, Divinity? Or do you have a definitive moment where you decided... Yeah, I mean, I I feel like I have a definitive moment. I I do recall having that conversation with myself. Um, Yeah? Yeah, it was after the Beyonce tour, the first tour. Oh, wow. Um, I really... Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) What's that? No, it's just so late. late After a tour with an icon, you're like, maybe I should stick with bass. No, no, seriously, though, because, you know, I always say this, and I don't know if it's... I, I believe this. That tour was the first tour where I identified as a bass player. Before that, uh-huh. I was always, I was always okay. this MC who played the bass. So on ah, Victor's tour, okay, okay. I was I was an MC who played right. bass. And right. and I, and gotcha. I continue to do that on my with my own shows and my own albums and songs and performances. I played the bass to to accompany myself as a performer as as, as an MC. But when I went on that tour, I went on that tour as a bass player. And that right. was when I really yeah, understood yeah. and came to really have a deeper understanding of what it meant to be a bass player, what the bass player's okay. role okay. was in the band. And, yeah. um, and, and, and due to the fact that I was, being, I was successful, I was thinking, okay, this is, this is, I'm a bass player. This is who I am. Right. This yeah, is what yeah. I do. You're living it. Yeah, yeah, I'm living it. And so I feel like that's when I, I, I had that, that moment. Um, 
And and I actually still have those moments That's every cool. now and again. Um, when I'm recording yeah. something that I think is super dope. You know, bass yeah. comes to me so it's such a blessing. I can just with whenever you know, it's funny because I heard uh what's his name? Um uh, Batiste uh say this. Um that creative intention is powerful. And mm. if you go into anything okay. with some sort of creative intention, you will get yeah. out of it whatever it is that you intended to come out with. So when I sit down, I can sit mm. down at any time and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write some songs. My intention is to write songs. And I pick up the bass and I can come up with cool bass lines like this, like nothing, like they're writing themselves. Yeah, and that yeah, still yeah. wows me. Mm. It still wows me yeah. and it still it still blows my mind, but I'm starting to understand that it is because of the intention that I have behind uh. it. And so if I'm intending to be a bass player, uh, then that's what I'm gonna I'm that's what I'm gonna be. Telling my mind that's what I wanna be and so that's what I'm gonna be. That's I don't know if that makes sense. So as you branch out and do your own show as the performer now do you have to have a different conversation with yourself? And what are some of the things that you had to kind of like learn to do outside of playing bass and rapping in your own show compared to, you know, working with a machine like Beyonce has behind her? Well, you know, the thing is, is that I was doing that before the Beyonce gig. So I've been performing right, right. as an artist for for years, even before the Beyonce gig. Um, right, right, right. Okay. So that I don't feel like I have to do anything different. That is who I am, and that's what comes naturally. I had to learn how to be a bass player, only be a bass player. Right. And I, know I have to learn how to Got switch you. into uh, being right, right. just a bass player. Um, but being yeah. a performer and an artist and the person in front and, you know, spitting and singing and playing and directing a band yeah. and all of those things happening at the same time, that's kind of who I am. Writing songs, recording, gotcha. producing, those things come naturally. So when I wrote the kids album, I, um, that was, that just basically took the same model that I had been using to write my own albums uh, before that. I wrote the Ain't No Other Way album and the I'm Possible album. Both of those albums are on, are, you know, you can listen yeah. to them out in the world. But the kids' record, um, Ready, Set, Go, was just a creative intention. I wanted to make music for children that, that made them feel good and made them happy. And so I take yeah. that experience of performing into that and I take it into playing shows for kids too. So I don't think that I have I don't have to do anything differently. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't have a bunch of dancers behind me and I don't have huge budgets and huge lights and a huge yeah, yeah, team yeah. of people. <laughs> and, you know, there are not hundreds of thousands right. of people coming to see me perform. But um, I have this little. Yeah, <laughs> I have this little small, <laughs> this little small operation that has been working for me and and it continues to inspire people. Um, I'm really excited about Absolutely. this last album, for instance, because we I got two books that um, that that were made up of the lyrics of the songs that I wrote. This book oh, is called cool. Me Plus You, published by Scholastic and illustrated by Neshante Fletcher. And this book called mm. Happy and Healthy. These are based on two of the songs off my last album, Ready, Set, Go, which is this kid's album that I just released. And it's available everywhere. Cool. And if you want to check it out, you can check it out at DiviRocksKids.com. Um, the songs are just all fun. And they're all bass-driven. 
<laughs> I would say that. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Who else would you trust to drive a song other than the bass? Come on. You know, bass Come and on. drums, bass and drums. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All day, all day. I watched the interview where you talked about Lewis Johnson, and I was actually laughing because we had some of the same influences, I guess, naturally as bass players, but that like whole thunder thump thing, how much impact did that have on your playing? Man, I think I still have some Lewis Johnson tendencies, you know? I mean, you watched yeah. that video, right? His first video. Oh, I've seen that video so Come many on, times. Man. That video is hilarious. He's like, that you, so this is how I'm gonna, you know, I do this. And he goes, and you're like, yeah, yeah. rewind. Time, what just, times a thousand. Yeah, it's, it's not even times happened? 10. Like, what is happening? What just happened? <laughs> but yeah, I, I used to rewind. Check that, that video. video. I'm sure it's on YouTube. It yeah. is on YouTube, Lewis Johnson. Yeah, that's funny. The best. Yeah, when I heard you mention that, I was laughing because I was like, I haven't heard it mentioned in a while, but it took me back. Yeah, that was one of the first videos I, I had. I think I bought the VHS tape, honestly. Wow, that's a... <laughs> Let's go way back. <laughs> People are like, what's VHS? Yeah, yeah but I had to keep hitting rewind because I know, was you like, be you could only, like, you could only hit, watch like 30 seconds of it before he just went off. And you and were like, yeah, wait, like, what happened? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do we go from to I mean, it's so funny. You gotta watch it. Check it out, Derek. You'll understand. I will. I will after Everybody, now. check that out. Yeah. Um, another adjustment I wanted to ask you about, though, is <laughs> how did it feel adjusting to tour life, like being on the road with Beyonce, even before that with Victor? But I'm sure the Beyonce tour was just. Uh, you know, just a different magnitude. So how was that for you? You know, honestly, I will say that I'm so happy I had the, the Victor touring experience first because right. it helped me learn what it felt like to be on the road and to learn the etiquettes of being mm. on the road. You know, what's it okay. like to share a tour bus with a bunch of people? What are the rules of the tour yeah. bus? You know, um, sure. so I would say that it wasn't that different. I mean, it was bigger. The Beyonce tour was bigger. Yeah. Okay. You know, there were several yeah. tour buses that we traveled on <laughs> to do that tour. There were several mm. trucks. We were playing in yeah. stadiums, you know, arenas, uh, as opposed yeah. to little clubs. Um, but tour life for me was really exciting because I love adventure and I love to visit new places. Um, Nice. The hardest part about touring with other people is just that you are in a small fishbowl and you have to yeah. learn how mm. to how to be cool throughout that whole process. You know, if you need time alone, right. it's right. going to be hard to get time alone. So you got to be cool yeah. with knowing that the only time alone you're probably going to get is when you get to go into your hotel room. Um, mm. You know, you're yeah. always a part of a, of a community. And you're part yeah. of a very specific community of people because you're all having this experience. And so you have to always look out for each other. Um, you just have to be mindful of the space you're taking up and how the space you're taking up is affecting other people and vice versa Yeah. yeah. when you're on a tour. Yeah. So maybe not all the glitz and glamour that some people might imagine. 
No, I mean, as yeah, far as women yeah. There's on a lot stage. of glitz and glamour that does that. That you know, you some of that is true. You know, you're staying in when you're touring at that true, level. Yeah. You're staying in really nice hotels. You are experiencing yeah, yeah, yeah. life in a different way. You're experiencing life a better life than you probably have at your own house. You know what I mean? <laughs> But the Victor tour was more like, you know, more was a more realistic tour. We weren't staying in super nice hotels. You know, we're staying in smaller, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. smaller yeah. hotels. <laughs> but, nice, nice, but not super, super. Yeah, yeah, they were cool, but they weren't like, you know, five star hotels. But, you know, when you travel with somebody yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, her, yeah. you have to be in, you have to be, you have to kind of live in this exclusive world because you For people sure. can't have access to to you because you people are crazy and you just yeah. never know how people yeah. know. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. 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 People are yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. So people you kinda have crazy. to have some exclusivity. Don't be crazy people. Yeah, I mean honestly How many yeah. bass do you own? Sorry. Huh? Oh, how oh, many bases? I do see I have? like five there and I watched a video where she has like this beautiful purple one. How many do you own? Mm. Oh, I think it's about fourteen. Yeah, the Beyonce bass. Yeah, I love yeah, the, uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, four, uh, I think about maybe fourteen, yeah. fourteen bases right now. Which one? I, I I remember you saying it in the video, but real quick, which one is your? Do you hold nearest and dearest to your heart? I mean, they all. I hold them all nearest and dearest to my heart because they all have a different story and a different reason for being in my life. Right. Um. Right now, True. the bass that I play more often. Is my, and it's pretty like a pretty much like my work workhorse bass, is this Fender yeah. Jazz, four string. It's the uh, what model is okay. this? The Fender Americana Ultra, and it's a passive active okay. four string bass. Um, it has like a good fat, fat classic Fender bassy sound. It's actually kind of heavy too. Yeah. Um, but that's the bass mm. that I'm recording with, most mostly nice. right now. Um, especially if I'm yeah. doing any slap stuff. And this bass right here, this Marcus Miller five-string bass, I recorded with that bass last night. It sounded good. It's a great sounding nice. bass. That's, that's the one with, I can't really see. That's the one with the custom pickguard, right? Yeah, yeah, a period's pickguard. Okay, I love that. Yeah, he's <laughs> so that. dope. You should hit him up and get him to, yeah. get him to do you one. I, I actually did hit him up. I'm, I'm thinking about getting one. I'm, I'm inspired by that. Yeah, I love he's it. he's so I dope. Really His craftsmanship yeah. is amazing. That's amazing. Fourteen bases. That's mm. uh, I saw Dricky's eyebrows raise on that. There's too many bases. You, you, can me, sir. you can only play one at a time. <laughs> at a time. <laughs> at a time. At but a time. I mean, they all do. Days. They all. They all sound different, and I use them and pull them out for different reasons. Um, like I said, this is a workhorse yeah. bass. This bass is great for recording. There's another bass over there. It's a four-string um, Warwick Streamer, which was my workhorse bass for mm. the longest time. And I love that bass because it's double scale, so I can play chords on it. I can, you know, play all yeah. the way up to the 24th fret, you know what I mean? Whereas this bass only has 19 frets. Um, gotcha. Yeah, it makes a big difference. It there. is a difference. And so I haven't been playing that type of, that style of bass lately, though. So I've been got cool you, with, the, with this 19 fret bass. Yeah. Mm. Love it. Love it. Um, what about other gear? Do, what, do you have any favorites for, I think I see some Aguilar behind you, but do you have any favorites as far as like amps, pedals, and things like that? Oh, man, I got all kind of pedals around here. Um, <laughs> I, I imagine. <laughs> I like this TC Electronic Sub-Up pedal. That's a cool pedal. I love a good loop station. 
I have the Boss Loop Station here. I have all these okay, move yeah, pedals. Yeah. Um, I like the TC Electronic nice. pedals too. I have like a chorus and a reverb pedal from them. And I mean, I only pull that stuff out when nice. I'm really trying to create some colors and um, yeah. doing some soloing stuff. Not necessarily just like bass guitar grooving, but creating lands- yep. soundscapes on top of grooves. So I'll pull those things out. Yeah. And I mean, this is the Aguilar, um, what is it? The 700 head. It's a small head with this 410 cabinet. Um, I like, I have this Moog subsequent 37 right here. I have a Moog Mother 32 oh, nice. and a Moog DFAM oh, nice. over okay. here. You guys can't see those things. My favorite interface <laughs> no. is the Universal <laughs> yeah, yeah. Audio XP, I mean X8. That's mm-hmm. my joint. I love it. Okay. And I also have this little, um, this little Avalon preamp, the U5 that I record okay. Okay. through, record yeah. bass through a lot. Because you can nice. you can really shape the tone, but I love all the universal audio stuff. I not only have the Apollo X8, I have the the twin too for my travel rig. So I oh, am nice. I yeah, love small. universal okay. audio. Universal audio is to me Big the best. Up. Yeah, the best gear. Yeah, yeah. I know and that, I use I, Pro Tools. I know and that I use, not all of our. Okay. Yeah. Is that your preference, Pro Tools? Um, I I'm pretty pretty fast in Pro Tools. I use, For recording and editing, I love Pro Tools. Um, gotcha. For okay. being creative, I've been really starting to get into Ableton um, because uh, Ableton's workflow okay. is fun and yeah. it's, uh, it's easy to get to your sounds and you can work really fast. But before that, I was using Logic. Yeah. Logic is cool, but I think Ableton okay. is starting to nudge Logic out of my out of my chain of it's got a little a little little bump yeah 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 that's cool i know not all of our listeners are into all the gear oh, side of things but there are some no no there no, are some okay. like myself who are super interested who are definitely like what does she use what is she playing with so for sure. thank you thank you for sharing that yeah and if you didn't catch it all just rewind and play it back <laughs> <laughs> you know what there's a there's something else i need to ask you but i know we're running out of time here yeah. but just as far as your development and the level that you have um, been able to reach, and congratulations on your successes, by the oh, way. Thank you. Looking forward to seeing many more. But what does your practice schedule and routine that. look like? <laughs> and maybe not now, but just, I guess, what would be most ideal to share with people who are, you know, practicing and coming up behind you? Um, I would say I probably... I go through spurts of practice time. I don't practice like I used to. Okay. I used to wake up right. okay. every yeah. day and just practice or come home and practice. I spent a lot yeah. of time on stages practicing, um, playing as much as mm. possible. Whenever you're playing, you're practicing. Um, True. G- you know, playing okay. gigs, I used to play everywhere I could find places to play in the city. I would go to all the jam yeah. sessions and just jump in. I think it's important mm. to continue doing that, and I need to do more of that. Um, but when I really get into a time when I want to practice, I'll wake up really early in the morning mm. because, you know, as an adult, you have other things to do. You can't just sit around practicing Absolutely. all day. Yeah. 
<laughs> when you're young yeah, and you first pick up an instrument, you can just sit around and practice all the time. You know, exactly. that's why yeah, I tell yeah, kids, yeah, I'm yeah. like, you don't have nothing else to do. You should be practicing. <laughs> like Practice, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you should be Play practicing. Um, you should be listening to other people's records, learning solos, uh, learning grooves, learning songs, yeah. writing your own songs, learning your scales, playing your arpeggios, um, learning the neck, being able to being able to play up and down the neck, your major, minor, scales, your modes, going yeah, around yeah. the circle of fits, um, mm. doing different exercises to strengthen your hands. Um, so now when I, when I really get into that space where I'm like, oh, you know what, I need to practice, I will wake up at like uh -huh. 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning and practice for like three hours. And what that usually entails nice. is okay. some sort of warm-up exercise where I do this finger-to-fret there's this thing called 24 permutations where I'm not going to get into the whole thing. Right. Where you okay. basically, you only have four fingers that you're going to play with on your left hand. And so you play right. different combinations. One, two, three, four, one, two, four, three, one, two, uh, or one, three, two, four. You know, you go through all the permutations yep. of how you would play those four fingers, just going up and down the bass. Um, and then I would play some arpeggios and not just start on the one or the root, maybe start on the third and start on the fifth and play up and down the neck and play my that's modes important. and blah, yeah. blah, 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 you know, all the boring stuff. Um, so mm. that's what I do when boring, I get back to necessary. basics. Boring, but necessary. Yeah. Super necessary. Gotcha. And yeah. then get I'll do some, some reading. I don't do enough mm. reading. So that's mm. something that I'll pull out some book and sight read for a while. I guess most people probably don't unless you actually are, you know, called to read on a regular basis. It kind of just falls off. Yes. You read, then you have to relearn to read and the whole thing over oh, and over. It's so myself, annoying because I get these gigs where I have to read and then I have to like <laughs> yeah. climb back out of my, I haven't been reading, you know, like and get back yeah, into yeah, yeah. reading, which is. Focus on that. And then the wind blows the sheet away. <laughs> yeah. But the other, the uh, the only oh, other man. thing that I would like to just share with everybody is to, um, especially, you know, if you have kids, to encourage them to play an instrument, and not necessarily for mm. them to become a musician, but playing an mm. instrument enhances your life in in ways even if you're not going to be a primarily a musician. It helps you understand empathy. Yeah. It helps you feel yep. emotion. Mm. Uh, music is important and helps you learn. It helps you learn. Um, it helps you learn how to communicate with others. It's a social sort of thing. So you can True. play music Absolutely, with other yeah. people. So it helps you interact with other people. Um, and it's just something that you can do to make yourself feel good. Because yeah. what's yeah. what's what's a good hobby other than that? You know th that makes you feel good. It's not about going true. out and playing yeah, a gig so or true. being great at it. But does it make you feel good to come home after eight hours of work and beat on the drums for an hour, yeah. and then feel like yeah, okay, yeah, now yeah. I can go deal with my family or deal with whatever it is that I have to deal with? You know, it's just an outlet, a creative so outlet. So I always it's encourage powerful. people to uh, to get their kids into playing music and. Um, and I also want everybody to know to go out and listen to my new album, Ready, Set, Go, that I made for kids. Yeah, and to that, check out yeah, the books, yeah. Happy and Healthy and Me Plus You. Uh, they're available on DibbyRocksKids.com. They're also available on Amazon, published by Scholastic. Um, 
illustrated by Neshante Fletcher. They're beautiful books. They're inclusive. You're going to open the book and see somebody who looks like you, uh, somebody who looks like somebody like you that. know. Um, and I mm, think that's really important. That's important. Yeah. Very, very important. important. And we'll post some links to all of that. All too. of that, 100%. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah. And Thank that you. message was that's so cool. great, um, just about everyone playing in music, regardless if they're going to be big or not, just the importance. That message was really, really brilliant. Thank you so Oops, much for yeah. sharing that. Really, Thank really you. appreciate that. Can we also just get you to shout out your socials so people can follow along with your uh, message? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Divi Rocks, D-I-V-I-R-O-X-X. I'm also at Instagram at Divi Rocks. Same thing, D-I-V-I-R-O-X-X. I don't spend that much time on Facebook, but if you just type in Divinity Rocks, I'll be there Every now and again, dropping there. dropping in and dropping out. Um, LinkedIn, nope. Divinity Rocks. What else is there? Um, <laughs> I think that's all I got. There's got to be at least 30 more. I'm on TikTok, Divi Rocks. Oh, YouTube. Yes, Divi Rocks Kids. We have some new videos. We did a video nope. for Happy and Healthy. Uh, Ready, Set, Go has a new nice. video. Uh, my page uh, for the oh. adult stuff is uh, youtube.com slash divinity rocks. For the kids is youtube.com slash divi rocks kids. Yeah, check out, yeah, okay. subscribe to my YouTube awesome. channel. <laughs> Definitely. Everywhere, people. Everybody, yeah. Thank you Everybody. so much. It's been an honor and a privilege to talk to you. Thank you for taking the time yes. to chat with us. Absolutely. I know our Thank audience you. will enjoy this. It was great. Thank uh, you. I think I'm going to go out with a quick freestyle. Oh, let's okay. hear it. Let me hear uh, it. Do it then. Do it then. <laughs> no. Oh, man. <laughs> I was not Each episode of the DNA Airwaves is recorded, broadcast, produced, and all that good stuff right here at the MPL Toronto. The MPL is a collection of film and audio studios dedicated to making all things visual look amazing and all things audio sound brilliant. Check us out at the-mpl, that's maple without the vowels, dot com for more details. The podcast is also brought to you by The DNA Project, your live entertainment agency. Anything you need for your live event, they've got you covered. From weddings to large corporate galas, we can do it all or we can do just a little bit. Wonderful people and a great company. Check them out before your live event at thednaproject.ca. As a podcaster, you know that great content is only half the battle. The other half is finding the right hosting platform to reach your audience. That's where Captivate comes in. With unlimited podcasts, advanced analytics, and personalized support, Captivate has everything you need to grow your audience and monetize your show. Join the thousands of successful podcasters just like us who trust Captivate for their hosting needs. Visit dnaairwaves.com slash Captivate today to start your free trial.